Hi, everybody. This is the Ludinus Podcast. I am Aaron Thayer. I am joined, as always, thankfully, because I wouldn't want to be talking with anybody else, joined by Nick Cummings. That's me. I thought you were going to say something completely out of left field, like I'm joined by Ludacris. Well, this is just happening now. Next episode, you'll have to stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Special guests. Big changes coming. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it'd make more sense to get Ice-T on this since it's a games podcast. And yeah. He's a huge gamer. He is the leader of the final level Twitter gang. Yeah. They play, I don't know if he's still playing Gears of War, but I imagine. I hope so. Ice-T loves Gears of War. Ice-T's Ice in Gears of War 3. <laughs> Little known fact here. Here's a little nugget for you. Yeah, that's something I'll tell you on those internet gaming websites. But no, I know this for a fact because I played that game. And continuing my tradition of great segues, speaking of internet gaming websites, they were afire today. Oh. Burning with the nuclear fires, Mm. Nick Cummings. I sense the segue. With, can you guess? No. Fallout. What? Comma. Four, wait, no, just Fallout 4. <laughs> Fallout 4. Comma, 4. <laughs> I wish that somebody was so bold at Bethesda Game Studios to do that. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, today, as of this uh, this recording, Nick and I have both watched the reveal trailer for Fallout 4 um, for historical purposes yesterday, the day before this recording. There was a, uh, a Bethesda Twitter um, a link that said, please stand by. Classic nomenclature for Fallout. Uh, for those who it was like the test the pattern on TV yes. from the fifties. The fifties that has look. the Native American head and black and white and color bars and all this other junk that basically says, "Oh, the station's not working," or "There's a test." Yeah, it's very eerie too. A very eerie sound. You know that that uh, yeah. test sound. That beep. Yeah. Yep. I won't. You know, wouldn't be so annoying to replicate that. I don't know. There might be people who don't remember that because they grew up. You know, without broadcast TV. Well, here's the thing, too, is though we grew up without the um, offensive Native American head. I don't know why that was on there, first of all, from the 50s. Yeah, what does that mean? I don't know why that started. We never had that as we were watching kids, but we definitely had, um, you know, test patterns. Yeah, color bars. So we understood. Sure. So that was put onto Twitter. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks, oh, crap, Fallout announcement. And there's also a countdown timer. Yep. Worst kept secret of the year, by the way. Yeah. It's... Nobody should have been surprised. But at the same time, those of us who are into Fallout, like myself, and that's where I'll, I'll be starting this conversation as a fan of the series, especially mm-hmm. three, um, seeing this and seeing it be revealed and being live is great. It's excellent news. Don't have to wait until E3, only but like another week away yeah. um, to hear about it. So today the trailer actually comes out about three minutes Shows all the great stuff of Fallout you would expect. You see Death Claws, the big lizard things that kill you in extremely fast fashion. They're like little raptors, kind of, right? Uh, except eight feet tall and with horns. They're kind of like Triceratops raptors. Yeah, more beastly, more bulky, yeah. like they've been taking creatine powder. So we saw the green things. We saw the mutated dudes. Eye robots, the flying eye robots. Yep. Um, Nuka-Cola. Enclave, I'm assuming, or Brotherhood of Steel with the flying um, helicopters, the vertebrates. Dude, there was a blimp in that trailer. There was a blimp. Um, there was the power armor. Yep. Did you say dog? I don't There's think There's a so. dog. There's a dog. Which has been called dog meat in the other games, unofficially. Yeah. So. There's I think a that vault. actually was his name when you hover over him, right? Yes. At least in two. Okay. Which was an homage to Mad Max. Or a boy and his dog. Yes. <laughs> You see uh, a vault, 
you see a dude who's a protagonist. The dude speaks. Which, He's wearing a Vault Tech jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Vault One Eleven. So all this stuff from a reveal trailer. Google's you know a city. Lots of color in the trailer, which is great. Looks like a Fallout game. Graphics look better than three. Okay. So I'm sold. Yeah, that's pretty much all I needed. If anybody wanted to ask me just right now how I felt about the game, great, I'll buy it. Would you say that the game looks like it's the bomb? Mm. Let me think about that. Yes. The bomb also, comma, dot com. <laughs> um, Look forward to our jokes podcast. Yeah. We're really bad. Mm-hmm. So Fallout 4, fantastic. I'm into it. What do you feel? Or we, did you want to ask me a question, Nick, before I ask you some? You look yeah. like you had some, well, some curiosity. Okay. We, we knew this game was coming. Uh-huh. We we've talked about this publicly and privately. We disclosed it to our loved ones. Mm-hmm. What is it about this uh, this announcement that rekind did it rekindle some interest in you? Did it like ignite a did it start a flame in your heart for this series? Well, you know, I didn't want to set the world on fire. No, none of us did. But um for those who have played Fallout, I hope you pick up on my I, reference. I think they'll get it. Okay. I also like to make sure I explain references so that way people understand that. I do that too, but it's just to be pedantic. Okay. So, in a non-pedantic fashion, mm-hmm. um, I I played so much of the third game, all the DLC. Um, that is one of the only games I've gotten all of the achievements on, on the Xbox 360 version. Oh, see, I just used the console on PC. Right, that you was pop the other all the achievements. Way Especially when it was games for Windows Live. Yeah. And it counted. But I actually, I'll just say this now. I, I too played all the DLC and finished that game. Mm-hmm. So. so you've been through it all. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel that I ever lost or had a flame that needed to be rekindled. No. Um, I've been anticipating another Fallout game since New Vegas, and I played through all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I love that franchise in its current iteration and handling by bethesda the first two games a little bit you know i was around playing games at that time but i never actually picked it up i remember seeing fallout one in the giant cardboard box on the fred meyer game shelf with this weird looking helmet on it and this rust brown background and not knowing what the hell that is and picking it up and you know, remember when the game cases used to have a little Velcro tab and you would open it up? And yeah. It had the, the card on oh the front you would God. open. Remember when PC games were awesome? Yeah. Yeah. This huge box, yeah. Velcro tab on the front to open up and look inside and see all these pictures and bullet points and, and like embossed foil colors and yeah. just this gorgeous case. And I remember looking at that and thinking, I don't know, this is maybe too hard for me. I, I don't get it. I just never tried it. Yeah. So I missed Fallout 2. Later I played them have never finished them because after so many years i just didn't have the patience for the old uh top-down kind of rpgs yep so fallout 3 was a perfect uh entry point for me into the series so what is it about fallout 3 like when you look back on that game what drew you in so much it's it was a cliche almost as immediately as it was said in a preview i forget which one but it was oblivion with guns okay you liked oblivion i loved oblivion Prior to that, another Bethesda game, the Elder Scrolls series, Oblivion. I loved that game. That was another one I got all the achievements on. That was the first game I ever got all the achievements on. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fun to do. It was the open world thing. It was the stuff that I like about open world. Yeah. Did you play Shivering Isles too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shivering Isles was great. It was hilarious. Yeah. Good expansion. Make more games like that. 
more expansions like that, please. Yeah. Bethesda, who we know. Bethesda. Bethesda. God. Uh, so that style of development that Bethesda has resonated with me already. Fallout 3 comes out, I think. I do like the post-apocalypse. I love books like The Road. I love zombie stuff. I love... Uplifting things. Yeah. Mad Max, Fury Road that just came out, which is the coolest apocalypse. It's not like boring or yeah. scary. It, it is an apocalypse that never stops moving. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's great. Go see Mad Max. And the... So that element of Bethesda gameplay, a post-apocalyptic scenario, which I'd always like, but I haven't really played many games in by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, the classic ones, like Wasteland, I'd never tried. Yeah. Um, so I was on board. And then once I played the game, the exploration element has always been what's what's really stuck in Fallout more than I think even Elder Scrolls for me. Okay. Where Elder Scrolls, you go through different environments and there's fun stuff to go find. I felt like the scrounging aspect of Fallout... Three especially was so gratifying of digging through rubble to find bottle caps and ammo and pieces of junk. So the, the trappings then of like how you survive in that game were, were appealing because you could kind of envision yourself in that scenario. Yeah, exactly. It was a role play. It was absolutely a role play element of if I was a survivor in this wasteland, mm-hmm. I would totally be doing this. I'd be scrounging through someone's old mailbox or a burnt out refrigerator. Their crappy old clothes, whatever you find. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And just put it on and cool, I'm inhabiting this to survive. And though the games didn't really have a survival element, as far as New, New Vegas, Vegas did, did. And I played that mode. That's right. I was just going to say, I remember you playing that and I was impressed. It was intense. You had to drink water in that game. Yeah. So I'm hoping then... Considering Fallout blends the things that I enjoy about a post-apocalyptic thing, uh, environment, and having exploration and RPG elements, yeah, I'm hoping it does carry over um, what Obsidian, who developed Fallout New Vegas, mm-hmm. not Bethesda, I'm hoping what this new game carries over is the at least option to have the survival aspect, because that really made it seem um, challenging and unique and fun. But mm-hmm. this trailer doesn't tell us anything like that. It just appears to be a higher fidelity version of Fallout 3, which, mm-hmm. again, I'm okay with. Yeah. So I, what do you think about it, and where what's your stance on the franchise? I mean, I I also... We have a, we have a pretty similar palette when it comes to Bethesda games, for the most part. Like, I, it was Oblivion for me that really drew me into their style of games. Um, I played... I played the game to completion on PC and then later on Xbox 360. Yeah. Like I just, Same. I love that experience so much. And in, in hindsight, like I can kind of see that the design was maybe not as pure as I would like it to be now, where like you become like this walking god because you can do everything in that game. And that was at the time novel to me. But yeah. um, and that's something Bethesda games have to some extent or another always had. Fallout had that as well. Like. Mm-hmm. You do all the missions, you're going to level up a lot, you're going to get all these really great perks that affect your ability to influence your environment, and you're going to have the best gear to do it in. Mm-hmm. So you become a tank by the end, and that's cool. Um, Fallout 3 was also the first game in that series I got into. I, uh, mm-hmm. I played 1 and 2 a little bit in high school and college. I would find like you know abandoned wear sites. I had those games, because for a while you couldn't find Fallout 1 or 2, like in the early 2000s, I want to say. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I tried them. I thought they were a little too difficult. Like, the you know, clicking through the turns to watch a rad scorpion slowly kill my level one character kind of got old for me, and I just didn't have the skill to deal with it. So. They're a bit oblivious. I felt oblivious playing the game. It didn't have, of course, the modern trappings of go here for this quest or here's the map that's easily navigable. Yeah, and, you know, all the <clears> games of that era had that to some extent. Like, you know, Baldur's Gate, Planescape Torment, none of those yeah. really held your hand through everything. But at the time, I was just more interested in, for example, like Japanese RPGs or adventure games, sure. that kind of thing. So, um, so Fallout Three, though, um, it's a game that for me came out at a really weird time in my life. I want to say it was two thousand eight. It was after we, yeah, it was after we graduated. We had, we graduated. It was like months before we started Silicon Sasquatch, mm-hmm. our uh, our previous project, uh, and uh, I was in a weird place mentally, and I I spent a lot of time with that game. But full like, of void, right? It did, but it also left me feeling empty because I couldn't really enjoy the game to its fullest. Like I was so preoccupied with like finding a job and figuring out what to do with my you know my life that uh, I, I every time I played it, I felt a little guilty. And that kind of you know that's not the game's fault. That's my own situation. But yeah. in hindsight, when I look back on that game, I'm like you know I remember I spent a lot of time walking through these very similar looking subways and burned out buildings just trying right. to get the, the better gun or gain a level. And uh, not finding myself too compelled by the main story or even the side quests. But then this trailer comes out for Fallout 4. And I think, okay, you know, I might be interested in a Fallout 4. I thought Skyrim was okay. It didn't capture my attention like Oblivion did. Neither did Fallout New Vegas in the way that Fallout 3 did. But I'll give it a shot. And having just watched it, um, it doesn't... You know, I could, I could nitpick it. I could say, yeah, okay, the graphics don't look leaps and bounds better than what I remember that game looking like, even though I know that my memory is almost certainly doing that game yeah, more you, favors than it deserves. If you played it on 360 now, you would probably oh, throw open your mouth a little bit. I played it on PC most recently, so that's probably why I'm giving it a, a fair shake here. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not the graphics I care about. It's the fact that, like, tonally that trailer just captures the essence of what Fallout is so interesting in. And it has this not... It's not, like our real world at, if it stopped yeah. in the 1950s it's this bizarro retro look at the 50s and what we know about like you know it's this the, high gloss kind of cherry red bright yeah elongated curves overly rounded yeah. appliances and cars it's and a like, stereotype of what the 50s would look like which is when fallout has done its best artwork mm-hmm. is this hyper realized hyper stylized version of an alternate history that yeah. what if after world war ii we just were technologically advanced and nuclear power was everywhere and mm-hmm. it was just like the leave it to beaver style mm-hmm. and then the world stopped and when the, that happened. And yet you also, the games make very clear that there was this like McCarthyism on steroids yeah. culture running at the time that this war happened, which probably led up to the war happening. But And plus, and that's, that's also my favorite part about this series and why uh, in this trailer, to tie it back to at least what we saw... Um, there are several cuts from the the dog dog meat if it's the same dog to, uh, name the fall dog's always been called dog meat yes yeah. so dog meat is going through this obviously hundreds of years years old um abandoned house and sniffing around and scrounging and it's intercut with um the family that lived there before the war before the nuclear bombs had fa- fallen and uh, the newscast, which is voiced by Ron Perlman, that returning to the, the series of the war never changes line that everybody loves him for. Um, it's showing the aspects of that culture that what I, what I was going to say is when the bombs fell, I believe it was supposed to be 
2050 or 2049. Somewhere it's actually way in the future, but everything still looks like the 1950s because though technology had advanced to have these um, kind of hovering cars and robots and nuclear power everywhere, it's just like the, the dream, the McCarthyism never died. And yeah, it just... The Cold War just escalated and escalated. The holistic and, element has yeah. continued on into the future, and then everybody blows everyone up. Yeah, like as far as I as far as I can tell, Vietnam never happened in no. this world. So that whole like you know second guessing jadedness about uh, the first world never really yeah, came. American to superiority and optimism just continued for another hundred years, basically, yeah. and then we killed ourselves because yeah. of it. Yeah, it's it's kind of what well, kind of what I imagined how Glenn Beck wants to die. <laughs> Um, surrounded by other bombs falling while he's locked away in a vault. Yeah, gold. that looks like a, a drive-in diner or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the spirit is what I'm trying to say. The spirit of those games and what made them so distinctive and so like conceptually appealing to me feels like it's on display in this trailer in, in very good ways. And, uh, you know, the callbacks with the music, with Ron Perlman's voiceover, with that iconic line, with the theme from Fallout 3 playing over that... It was like, there's, you know, our, on our last episode, we talked about um, homogenization of games and how, like, gamer culture, quote unquote, kind of dictates and influences that. Yeah. And I think that there's a time and a place for that. And I think that something like Fallout, uh, enough time has passed that we might, and um, people are welcoming enough of that at this point that Bethesda has an opportunity to, one, make a game that hits all those notes that I know people want to hear and see. Yeah. But two, they can take some risks that we may not know about until that game ships. And that's sure. what has them excited is thinking like, you know, they know they're going to sell this game. They don't know how to market a Fallout game. But, you know, what what kind of freedom does that give them too? So I think there's, um, the, when you mentioned the homogenization specific to Fallout, I think it's actually one case where it was a good thing for that franchise. It had been dead for so long, had been in legal hell with Interplay and Bethesda trying to own the rights to it, um, to the franchise, that it was obscure. It was an obscure franchise that was based on Wasteland that had come out in the late 80s originally. Yeah, an old computer RPG. Yeah, and um, I forget the tabletop RPG that it was also based on the rules, but that was... Oh, hmm. I forget the name. I didn't know that. It'll it'll come to me. But that's where some of the VATS and the, the the special system came from. That was from a tabletop RPG. I can see that influence. Yeah. So the point of that being is this homogenization of taking a uh, system from the the Elder Scrolls series and applying that to now or to what was a dead franchise basically, and then making it this huge seller. It was one of the best-selling uh, games in that last generation. Yeah, they one of the best reviewed the spotlight. too. Yeah, and then I think that Bethesda is at least a company that they make these giant AAA games. They still kind of make them. I think I don't know. It's not just appealing to a core base. They are shooters. They are RPGs. They are open-world games. They are having the mature, murderous themes and stuff that you might see in a Call of Duty. So, yeah, you could say that they're like every other game, but Fallout has a tongue-in-cheek element with that alternate history, yeah. with the Ink Spots music, the classic music from the 1940s and 30s playing, with the sarcasm and just this overall tone of what happens if America just completely screws itself over and then hundreds yeah. of years later people come out of vaults and just... It's, it's a weird concept. It's extremely weird yeah 
So, but there's enough life in there that they just need to move the location. In this, the Fallout 4 trailer, it looks like it's Boston, yep. which is known as the Commonwealth. So to me, again, to, to, to put that all back together is all of those themes, Bethesda's development style, it's enough for me to just have it set in Boston and the world has a bit more color in it in terms of there's bright reds and blues, blue skies. It's not just a green radiated wasteland like in Fallout 3 that I'm in. Yeah. Or New Vegas where it's all just golden, yellow, brown. Yeah, deserts. And... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's what you were saying about like that sort of biting, acerbic, tongue-in-cheek humor about this culture and nationalism and our history and our culture from that era and how like different it feels, but also how this game kind of historically has successfully brought into sharp relief. Like, you know, the tagline effectively is war never changes. Right. Yeah. And so there's this great juxtaposition in fallout three and one and two as well. And new Vegas, all the fallout games that they have succeeded at this. They do really well of, yeah, of through the mechanics of that game, through that experience, forcing you to confront this kind of like these opposing concepts that are actually like a reality of american culture and that to me has always been the best part it's grossly satisfying gratifying and a little morbid to in those games be walking over the bones of a once great empire a once great um, feeling that those those themes carrying over into america now and just playing through a wasteland that's you know you're, you're scrounging for stuff from people that are long dead and it's just it's hilariously dark yeah, and that's why I've liked that franchise. So it doesn't have to do anything majorly different. It doesn't have to go be set in Japan or Canada, yeah, or some other location. It's just all right. You know, it's ten years after Fallout Three. Yeah, um, is what some of the rumors have said. So okay, whatever. If it's set after that, then maybe people from the last game show up. It's far enough away from being uh, Washington D.C., where the third game was set, to Boston, so it's a whole different location. You know, but. I just, I don't have any expectations for it, oddly. I just want it to come out. I'm gonna, that's, realistically, I, I, if you ask me if there's anything I want from it, I just want it to come out. What, is, what does that mean, though? Like, are you, do you want to pre-order it? Do you want, like, can you not wait for it to come out? Or are you just, like, happy it's happening? I'm happy it's happening. I can't wait for it to come out because I do want to play that game again. But that's me, you know. Yeah. I've I'm the one who played the three hundred hours of Skyrim. I'm the one who played that long of Fallout Three. <clears throat> so Bethesda absolutely entices me. They know what's up with you. They know what's up. They got me. Yeah. Um but I'm not I wouldn't pre order it because pre, it's not like games are a uh, limited commodity anymore. <laughs> so Yeah, they're everywhere as it turns out. Um I don't know. Well I'll just share my perspective. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to see it. I, I could use a little bit of familiarity there because like Fallout 3 really was my first in-depth experience with that kind of, that with that series yeah. and also with that kind of humor and culture and approach to like an element of society that I feel like doesn't really get addressed much in the mainstream. Like we have post-apocalyptic games, but they all have zombies in them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all like Dead Island or Left 4 Dead or whatever it may be. And, and a lot of the commentary from the zombie genre, which started with stuff from Romero about Dawn of the Dead being, you know, about commercialism and consumerism, the fact yeah. it was set in a goddamn mall. Yeah. A lot of that tone of post-apocalyptic has just left that genre. It's yeah. just now spectacle. Even Mad Max, which is great as it was, 
it really wasn't a post-apocalyptic movie because it wasn't talking about the culture of a post-apocalypse. It wasn't talking about a great empire other than saying that the desire for oil and then the greed, just everyone died, but then it moves on. So going into a, uh, a genre like Fallout where it's going to have some kind of themes about that, I think you're right. It's more refreshing. Yeah, you're literally sitting through the garbage <clears throat> of a blown-up civilization. Yeah, That, to me, is always going to be a fascinating concept, and it's something that games are uniquely qualified at doing where, like... You know, the only medium that comes close really is like books where you can like really go in depth at like studying these like snapshots of civilization. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to from that. And in a way, in talking about civilization, the other best parts of that game in three and what I expect to find in four are the um, the connections back to real history mm-hmm. of going through and watching the dc to the smithsonian type and stealing places. the declaration of independence yeah <laughs> that stuff is hilarious it's great yeah. it's a good way to uh almost in an assassin's creed situation to have an alternate history or to speak to history mm-hmm. and fallout is definitely you know alternate history but um oh, and future but yes yeah yeah to in boston i'm sure there is going to be a ton yep. of awesome history integrated there yeah and that's fun that's a smart location for the game Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to set this game in dallas there was uh somebody who no (laughs) there was a uh an article i don't recall uh which website it was on that's the problem with rss readers for me i just scroll through and i don't really pay attention to bylines anymore (laughs) you're killing the journalism industry oh too late um It was talking about how if you look at the trailer, there's tons of baseball references, what looks like Fenway Park, Hmm. what looks like in one of these um, post-apocalyptic towns, kids throwing baseballs around. Um, So I hope there's... pre-apocalyptic? Post. So in... Oh. No, in like one of the fallout towns... Okay. The camera kind of swoops over. Okay. It looks like there are people playing baseball. Okay. And then there's a big baseball bat with nails on it. You can see in the left is like a sign. Oh. It's kind of like a sign. So I hope there's, even though I'm not a huge baseball fan, I hope there's a ton of baseball references because it's Boston. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Like just some undead Sox fans. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) A bunch of ghouls that are Sox fans. Yeah. Ghouls running at you just like. It's a wicked hat. Talking about. Oh God! Uh, yeah, no, that sounds great. I mean, I, I I don't. I try to be very mindful of the fact that I'm not. All my expectations won't be met with the AAA game, and in, yeah. in general, like things are going to be different. But I think that of all the the franchises we're seeing getting rebooted, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. like with Tony Hawk and all this stuff, Fallout getting a sequel, like a proper sequel, makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that there's more to be said there. And I think that Bethesda is in a place where they can probably invest. They've probably invested the time and the money and the tech and getting it to where they want it to be. Yeah. The trailer looks good. I, I assume they've been working on this in some capacity since they finished the DLC for three. Yeah, so. I'm sure even way before Skyrim. Yeah. <clears> so <throat> I feel pretty good. You know, I, I I want to see what they're doing here, and I think as far as like AAA studios, they can say something original in their games go. Mm-hmm. Bethesda is up there. So there's a good question uh, you brought up in in. Going back to the reboot statements that we've talked about in, in the last few episodes, um, why do you think, just kind of an obvious question, but why do you think Bethesda would do just a sequel and a reboot, not revamp Fallout? Is, well, how do you how do you revamp 
fallout from three to four because three was already such a big change over one and two which were these top-down isometric point-and-click games yeah now it's a first-person rpg right four would be now just seen as more iterative than Mm -hmm. drastically changing the whole gameplay style yeah so that's you know techno i think technology is the bigger factor there yeah um but i also think that bethesda's had a lot of success since then what you know uh, new vegas which was developed by obsidian was well received was a pretty good pretty good side story there i bet we'll see another side story game not developed by bethesda come out for fallout 4 yeah you gotta get a return on that engine tech i mean yeah. you can't just <laughs> that doesn't grow on trees uh although speed tree does so you have the tech investment and um i think you've seen they've saw a lot of success with skyrim like skyrim by far i think was their best-selling game ever i think so yeah um and it continues to have a impact that's felt it's still one of the top played games on steam somehow buoyed mostly by this mod scene that you know recently went through a little bit of a controversy (laughs) paid mod scene that came and went yeah Yeah, that was pretty fast um i think that they just they they see promise in this genre and they also know it's something that can be sold to people people know what a first person rpg is now and it's a pretty mainstream genre i i would not be surprised to find out that more people had played a Bethesda RPG on 360 or this current generation than have played the Mass Effect games. Yeah. It's probably a more mainstream series. Like, Fallout probably has more name recognition. And that's pretty amazing if you think about the fact that Fallout 3 was basically, for the mainstream, coming out of nowhere. 1 and 2 were pretty much just, like, hardcore fans only. Yeah, it was one of those rare games that brought RPGs to the mainstream. Yeah. The trappings of that world, of that gritty dark um gun type world appealed to people i think more than fantasy or even sci-fi in a lot of ways yeah. even though fallout does a lot of sci-fi it but... does but it's a more like approachable sci-fi like yeah. that americana infused like social commentary that is palatable to the masses it's so. familiar yeah so i think that's why you know a lot of people who don't play a lot of games really got into fallout and um I think mechanically it makes sense to stick to things that look familiar and accessible from a marketing standpoint. Mm-hmm. But I also think that it fits the feel of that game well. Like I, my, my favorite memories of that game are not like the main storyline. It's more the weird stuff you'd find when you wander off to the side. Like the yeah. way that like a certain shack you stumble upon has like items arranged in a certain way that you infer things about yeah. their life. And uh, that attention to the environment. And uh, to me, one of the best ways to experience that is first person perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, having a gun in your hand the whole time is debatable. But... Um, I still think, I don't know. I think that they're, it's one of those rare games that really makes sense to just like go back to the well. I I think so too. And the reason, another reason for it to not, um, be rebooted would be the fact that a lot of the threads that they put into three, they, there was a whole quest where you helped an Android from the Commonwealth that is Boston. Mm -hmm. I think it was the replicated man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you were on that, that battleship or whatever that was stuck in the middle of dc yeah that put a lot of people's minds to think oh they're talking about boston they're talking about this whole area that has not been seen in the other fallout games i bet they'll go there next and they have so there's a lot of that lore and that mythology and uh, other storylines that they brought up and an opportunity now for them if this game is actually set a few years after fallout 3 to bring back 
references from that last game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it would make sense for them to just continue that and keep building that world rather than just say we're starting all fresh. Yep. Though I would I would like them to do another West Coast type of Fallout game and not just in the um, Nevada area. Like you want like the California Vegas. Republic again? Well, yeah, because if you look at the map in the first Fallout, they see right there. There's Klamath Falls. You can go to Klamath Falls. In the first Fallout. It's one of the little cities. It's so weird. This little piece of Oregon is in Fallout. And it's because it's one of the only towns that I think survived. And I can't remember if the... uh, Because everyone forgot about it. Yeah. (laughs) They survived because of all the meth that they do. Um, They preserved themselves. (laughs) They were were on top of that. They did not need a vault. (laughs) Their skin was preserved. They turned into ghouls. Um, Turned into. But I, I I say this all the time in my head. Not to anyone. But I want more games to be set in Oregon, so I think it'd be great if there was an apocalypse in the Pacific Northwest type mm-hmm. of game. Yeah. Because it'd be a different location. More yeah. green, I'm assuming. Um, speaking of games set in Oregon, how is Life is Strange, Life is Strange going for you? <laughs> I still haven't finished episode two. Oh. I know that um, episode four is coming out soon, I believe. Yeah. I hear it's getting good. Yeah. Um, maybe there'll be a bomb dropped in that. And then, surprise, it's a tie-in. Ties in to, oh, yeah. There's your Fallout 5. Marketers will love that. Yeah, Fallout 5 set in Newport. Yeah. <laughs> Oregon Coast. Yeah. Oh, Not a lot of scrounging. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, that's the game coming out. And uh, I think that's about all we can say about it at this point. Maybe there will be more D3. I mean, yes. Bethesda has a big conference planned. Probably so. some live demo or something. Yeah. And maybe it'll be out this year. Maybe not. I, I love that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Well, what we do know is... This podcast is over. It's over. And Nick, where will people find you online? I'm to at... continue talking about Fallout 4 with you. Please don't. I've, <laughs> I've said everything I can. It's a three-minute trailer. Just go watch it. My, I'm at Nick Cummings on Twitter. Uh, let's talk about something else. I'd love to talk about... Um, I don't think I actually have anything to talk about, yeah, so don't Fallout. talk to me. No, nope, it's Fallout 4. Just Fallout just all the time. And uh, on gaming networks, I'm YMOG, W-H-Y-M-O-G. And uh, I don't know. What's a game we could play together? Do you, do you play any games online, Aaron? No, not really. Like, even the little bit that I had was Battlefield 4, and that's been it. I want to play that again, but I never bought the add-on because $50 is stupid. I'm sure you can find it cheap now. Yeah, well, maybe. Aaron. Where can we find you playing Battlefield 4? <laughs> uh, on Origin. Oh, God. Though I uninstalled Battlefield Pass. 4. Let, oh, me, let really? me be honest. Yeah. Hmm. It was like 30 gigs. I wanted to clear up my hard drive. Every game is 30 gigs now. That's true. Uh, Athay. A-T-H-A-Y. And if you can't find me, then A hyphen T-H-A-Y. It's really only on PlayStation Network. And at Aaron Thayer on Twitter. Which okay. I don't use that often, but yeah. I'm there. I watch it. We watch it. Uh as for the show, we are at Ludenist on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash Ludenist to get some updates. And of course, our shows are all at Ludenist.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, pick your poison there, really. It's up to you. And uh, if you have any questions for us, forgot to mention this last week, you can send them to us at Ludenist at gmail.com and we'll read answers on the next episode. So any burning questions or Strange fan theories about the connection between Mother 2 and Mother 3. Aaron's got you covered. <laughs> yes, I will be here to answer that. And I'll probably have to use Wikipedia a little bit. Is Lucas a manifestation of Ness's id when he's stuck in Magicant? 
That's actually a damn good question. We'll follow up with that and let you guys know what we... Okay. If any of that made sense, by the way, you have permission to talk to me on Twitter. Yeah, you should email us. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Aaron, good talking with you. Nick, it was great talking with you. And uh, to everyone listening, thanks very much, and we'll be back next week. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.